Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Locked Down Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons. Cybersecurity encompasses so many facets of business risk. Wrapping your head around it can be overwhelming and stressful. Join us to learn how to tie cybersecurity strategy to overall corporate objectives and best business practices while gaining an understanding of technical and non-technical approaches to security and privacy, regardless of tenure in the field. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. of Lockdown with Kayla and Taylor. Today's episode, we will be discussing project risk management, its impact on corporate goals and objectives, and how you can apply our lessons learned to ensure your own success on your cybersecurity projects going forward. Uh, Taylor, I'd like to start with your experience with project risk management, especially since you know being a technical SME that is customer facing, I'm sure you have some, <laughs> some really good uh, nuggets of wisdom and stories to tell. No, absolutely. Uh, project management is is not, I wouldn't say it's my bread and butter, but it has been my life for a very long time. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in, in the professional services organization, mainly guiding implementations, you know, things that are very goalable or, or trackable, um, very object-oriented, attainable goals, I, I guess is probably the way that most uh, professional people would put it. Uh, whereas I think that our difference, our experiences is quite a bit different. You've led a lot of programs. You've led a lot of internal projects that don't necessarily have the same, the same deadlines or the same goals that a traditional implementation like a SIM or an EDR implementation would have. So I think that you know, just talking about our 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 differences and understanding our different perspectives will help a lot of people identify risks to to their projects that not a lot of people think about at times. Um, are you working with financial customer? Are you working with a tech customer? Are you working with a customer in a, in a different country, in a different region? Do they have different holidays? Do they have different work schedules? So I think that you know, between the two of us, uh, you living in London, me working with companies all around the world, I, I think that our our experience is similar, uh, but different in what project management is and, and what that risk of, uh, you know, date slippage or, or project slippage has to not just security team, but organizations overall. Um, so I think that, you know, one of the things when we talk about project management, uh, you wrote a great piece back in 2017, I believe. Uh, I know it's on your LinkedIn, but back in 2017, you, you wrote kind of like a beginning guide to project management that I think you had invested, you know, between your time from GoTo and other experiences. Um, that's a great beginning resource. I know that you've developed some of your own frameworks, your own project management plans. So let, let's start with that. What led you to write an article on, on project management? So um, I actually have a master's degree. It's an MSM, so Master's of Science and Management uh, in project management. Um, as I mentioned before, I wanted to be a CFO and you have to have a master's degree as you kind of go through things. It's like the quickest way to do this is the one year option. So I did that through my university. Um, and I learned a lot through the course, but it didn't really come home until I was kind of stuck in the middle of doing um, 
global implementations at my prior organizations of ServiceNow, RSA Archer, uh, SailPoint, some of these major you know, technologies that uh, impact not just the security team, there's a lot of stakeholder dependencies um, and realizing that tools like like some of the ones that are out there already, well, at the time, like Microsoft, um, their Microsoft project, their server, it was just really chaotic. Um, a lot of people didn't like to use it. Um, and I found that I was struggling to kind of utilize that tool to the best of, of my capabilities. So I kind of created one on my own, which is of course an Excel spreadsheet because that is the security <laughs> tool, basic, basic tool we all have, right? And it's got a whole lot of funky formulas and things in it. Um, but it was able to give me the dashboard that I wanted to be able to use. And it would show um, my outstanding issues, the upcoming tasks kind of like down the list and across was like the dates, activities that were in progress, milestones, um, the percentage of completion, and then at the, a burn down chart, financial information, kind of everything in one view, um, which for me in the way I operate, that is what I need is I need to see everything in, it needs to be like in my face and obvious. <laughs> um, and then what we had developed from there was we would just take that dashboard and you know take a snapshot of it add it to our project control board deck and share it with the stakeholders that were involved um executive teams to make sure that we were meeting our overall um strategy right so i in my position now but even before being just grc i had a three-year strategy and i had very stringent deadlines set for myself so, you know, the standard project charter, stakeholder communication plans, et cetera. But this was a key piece to keeping myself accountable, but also all of our stakeholders as well. That's amazing. Um, I think you developed what I needed as a younger professional uh, whenever I was doing certain things. So in, in my experience, um, which has obviously been vastly different, right? I've done implementation of tools. I've done implement EDR implementations. I've done SIM implementations. I, I've done, you know, deployments, things like that. Your, your traditional object oriented um, goals. Whereas again, you've done programs. So for me, whenever I'm doing a, an EDR deployment, right? There's, there's not a whole bunch of burn down that I'm worried about. There's, there's not a lot of executive, uh, ownership that I'm trying to convey. For me, it was all about getting the technical work done. I took a lot of emphasis out of the traditional project management. I was, I when I was, you know, earlier in my career, I was very much just technical focused. Is it done? Is yeah. it working? Um, did we cause any business interruptions? And then obviously, as I progressed, there were things that I noticed uh, people were getting promoted or, or getting paid more. I was like, guys, like I do, you know, two times or three times the projects they do. And one of the things was I, because I took the emphasis out of the management portion of the project, I, my projects weren't as seen as successful because I wasn't communicating the way that the business expected me to communicate. And I think that, you know, business communication is one of those risks around project management that we don't put enough emphasis in. So communicating, are there going to be delays? Um, is it a customer delay? Is it a tech delay? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is kind of where the the project risk management side comes in. Um, everyone, I think, 
I should have a disclaimer here. Risk management is not a Debbie Downer field. It is not a crying wolf scenario. Risk management is actually being transparent and saying, okay, these are the potential things that could go wrong or right. Let's be, let's be clear there. Can go right. It's an opportunity. Um, but how are we going to respond if something then is a risk that moves into fruition and turns into an issue or an incident? And having contingency plans backed up and documented, right? Like I always say, yeah, well, you know, what if I'm hit by a bus tomorrow? You're not going to know what to do. Well, if I'm hit by a bus, you go into my project plan, you can see what the contingency plan is at because the sudden loss of a key dependency, there should be a plan for that. Right? <laughs> um, so part of the, like the risk management piece to your point is raising these things for awareness for the people that are making your decisions for you. So in s- several of my projects, key dependency, yes, of course, that that's always a, 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 an issue, whether or it could always be an issue, whether it's a external party or an internal team, priorities change, right? So if you have key people dependency that you, uh, you know, have that as as a risk, um, you should have a plan in place. So what are you going to do for that? Well, the, the plan is not knowledge share, documentation, making sure that if someone is building something, there's a step-by-step on what they've done. It can be recreated in the case of an emergency. Um, and this this is not just for cybersecurity projects. This is just good project hygiene overall. But my experience with SailPoint, CyberArk, um, Archer, et cetera, has been very technical and being not just a, um, a, a stakeholder in terms of like the owner of the project, but actually impl- implementing it. Um, when I've done other programs, like an entire creation of an information security framework, and then having to roll that out, that's more of a hearts and minds campaign, awareness, making sure that you are, you know, sending out the, the Slack messages with the, the emojis and like, hey, this fun thing that here's your new guidance and and taking a more soft approach mm-hmm. to certain things versus, you know, deeply technical, you need to have documentation, the contingency plans, rollback plans, restoration, like you have to have all those things documented and each task can come with a risk. Just just be upfront about it. And I think that goes back to the communication piece, right? Because one of the things that you said, talking about crying wolf, risk management, right? When I hear the word risk, I immediately think project delay, right? And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. They say, hey, we need we need to make sure that, you know, risk management has been mitigated in this instance, whatever it is, right? We'll say, we'll say we're, we're deploying a new EDR agent, right? Hey, uh, for this deployment, we need to know what the risk mitigation is for deploying during this weekend patch cycle or whatever, right? And it's like, oh, wait, risk. We, we didn't say anything about risk. What, what's the risk, right? And to that point, I mean, it, it is a lot more than just the, the technical aptitude of the execution of the implementation. It is, are we communicating back to stakeholders? Are we are we in line with our our security framework? Are we updating our security policies? Are our users aware of our updated security policies? So there there is a lot. There's a lot of changes there, and I I, I do think that and you know obviously my hot take in the first episode, uh, people are you know the the biggest biggest risk to any organization. Um, communication is the same way whenever you talk project management. I think communication is the biggest risk to any good project plan because if you're not communicating effectively but you're getting the job done, no one knows that the job's getting done. 
if you're communicating effectively and the project's not getting done, again, priorities change, you adjust and deconflict. So I know that some of the biggest risks or biggest challenges as a not just a project manager, but as a leader of project managers is kind of that that deconfliction or that reprioritization. I know that you've handled that well in growing the CISO org uh, that you're currently in. Uh, you stepped in, mm-hmm. you know, last year, um, and, and it was a growing team, and, and you've grown, you know, several individuals into different roles. Uh, you had AppSec at one point. You've got um, security developers. All, all you cover pretty much all of the basis of you know a, a smaller CISO team at this point. But again, like you say, you have a three-year plan. So what would you say is one of the biggest recommendations in traditional project management to long-term project management that often gets overlooked? um, I think that it seems really easy, but it's not. It's buy-in from your executive team. Um, And I say that because you get a lot of nods. You get a lot of, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh Uh-huh, Absolutely. (laughs) But then when it comes time to execute, there's no resources that are available Uh, or you encounter scope creep um, or you're deprioritized. I think that's a great example uh, because something else has happened or is going to happen that will materially impact your plans. Um, So the way I've kind of approached it is I have a kickoff meeting, but a month in advance, I get all the stakeholders together with a deck. And I say, this is the problem statement that we're solving for. This is what I need from all of you. This is the expectation in terms of time. Um, Make sure that you're, you know, you're including this on your quarterly planning or your, you know, your prioritization. Um, And then just really kind of, I kind of drop it into any conversation that I can. (laughs) Like this thing that's coming up at the end of April. Reminder. Yeah. Or, oh yeah, that documentation that you need, that would be super helpful in April. Right. Like, and I just constantly just try to find ways to bring it in and keep it top of mind. Cause you can't always send out emails. People don't always want to hear, like read them. They don't, you know, they don't respond well to them. Um, and I always like to make sure that there's always a backup person. So like, if I was going to have you as my stakeholder, I'd make sure that you're next in line knows that this is coming as well and that they're included on the emails. And and I always try to say, send a delegate. If you can't make it, send a delegate from your team that can make decisions on your behalf. And that helps to uh, not only, you know, spread the love, right? Like everyone has to get involved and, and know what's going on from a transparency perspective, but it also gives you time to have a contingency plan. Okay. So if two, two leaders in this org are not engaged or available, okay, what's next? Um, marking it as a risk, right? And say, this isn't, this is something that I'm actively monitoring. It becomes an issue if all of a sudden they say, we're not participating, we're completely pulling out, good luck. And then that that's the difference, right? An issue is something that you're monitoring, you're paying attention to, but then I think, to, you know, it's something you said before, like a, an issue can just completely stop and derail your entire project. You're gonna have missed deliverables. You missed milestones even, right? Like that could have severe ramifications for the entire project plan. hundred percent. And, and, you know, again, you said, you said the R word, you said risk. 
and immediately it's you know the the um hairs on my arm start to tingle a little bit as you say risk <laughs> and and not all risk is bad risk right i i think that's i think that's something that a lot of people outside of security have to have an appetite for is understanding that as security professionals whenever we say the word risk we're not inherently describing the company is currently at risk or we're not saying that Correct. a person is at risk. We are saying this has the potential to have an impact to our organization. It could be yeah. negative. It could be positive. Yeah. And I do like to look at it and this is probably just my GRC brain, but like, I like to look at it as every risk is an opportunity for improvement and being able to pivot, as I've mentioned before, and say, okay, like, yep, this is an issue. I see it. I agree. Let's do something about it. And having the um, the wherewithal to not try to just, you know, like put your blinders on and, and try to avoid it because everything comes around in, in one way, shape, or, or form. I, I think we all in this field have seen situations happen that shouldn't have ha- happened or shouldn't have been as impactful had they been, you know, had there been a contingency plan with respect to, to a project or not, right? Right. Um, that I think this kind of goes outside the, this is scope creep for this conversation. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely something where you have to be transparent and address that elephant in the room. 100%. Um, and scope creep is super interesting, right? You and I have both been on the vendor side for a very long time. Uh, not necessarily the consumer side. Obviously, we 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 bring projects in, or we bring technologies, and we've partnered on technology implementations like EDR, like like digital risk, and other things. You know, we've definitely collaboratively worked together. But what I'll say is, you know, primarily both you and I have been on the vendor side, providing you know those types of services or that type of consulting to to customers and to consumers. But I think scope creep is a, a super under underestimated thing whenever you start talking about internal projects compared to external projects. External projects, you've got external stakeholders and and the differentiation in between external stakeholders and internal stakeholders is external stakeholders pay the bills. Um, And I don't know about you, but I personally like to eat and to put food on the (laughs) table. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that balancing act because when, when you're doing an internal project and all of a sudden someone finds a new creative, innovative way to use something, you don't want to dampen that, that spark, if you will. Right. Cause that's, we all want to be innovators in our own siloed way. Like, right. Like my GRC security team innovation is not the same as a, as a developer or someone in technical services, right. Like very different, but it's still innovation. Um, so it has to find a balance of, okay, yes, I see that. Let's add that to, you know, project 2.0 or, you know, and, and keeping that, that spark there, right? Because people, if they find a new use case for something like, yeah, explore it, but not now. <laughs> right. And it's like, how do you say that politely? Without, you don't. Like, yeah. And you don't want to hurt <laughs> Right. You don't like, for me, that's a big concern for me because when, when you have someone who wants to be creative, who wants to contribute and they have a great idea and you know, it's a great idea. It's just being like, Oh, I can't right now. And and then you see the look on their face. So, you know, being people management, right. It's like that skill. 
people in project management aren't dissimilar. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say the the biggest difference between people management and project management is emotions. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, projects are, you know, at the end of the day, paper or Excel spreadsheets, um, you know, it, yeah. and people are, you know, human interaction. There's, there's no chat GPT reference to, to manage humans. Uh, you can come up with a sum if table, uh, using chat GPT. Right. So I think, I think those things, th- those are huge. Um, I would love to put, I, I know that, you know, we're, quite a bit in, um, but I'd love to, you know, present a situation, get your feedback on it. Sure. So you're, you're doing, um, vendor analysis, you select a vendor, um, let's say firewall, let's do firewall, something neither one of us have, uh, been in, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna implement a new firewall project management team comes to you, um, in your current role as CISO. What is the one the one detail that you're looking for from a project management plan where you can immediately tell if the project's going to be a success or if it's going to be a struggle. Ooh, rule setting. Rule setting. Rule setting because it it needs input from so many variables, right? The security team should not be operating in a silo and creating rules on their own. Absolutely not. Like there's business context that is needed Right. Maybe that's going to get me shunned. I don't know. But like, in my Block opinion, everything. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> but we need to have business context, um, whether it's a security project or, you know, like a, an operations team that's doing it. There needs to be um, input from all different aspects of the business, because, you know, if you have um, one area saying, oh, block it, but then and upstream dependencies, like, no, I need that. Like, what do you mean block it? Like that you're going to have problems and it's just going to slow down productivity. Um, I did a project uh, when I worked for a financial services company, it was WebSense. Remember, remember them way back, oh, yes. way back then. <laughs> and that, that was one of our things too, was, you know, the, the um, time limitations, blocking certain websites, uh, allow lists, think things like that. Um, and we started blocking things that we thought we should block, like guns and ammo magazine, right? That we like, why does anyone need to look at that on their work laptop, on, on our network, VPN or otherwise? Um, and it turns out they were a customer and the relationship manager needed access to their webpage because it had investor relations information and certain other things. But that was that was a silly mistake that could have been avoided if we just had a rep- representative from that customer success team able to say, these are all our customers with, you know, with like suspect names that might trigger the typical blocking. Um, so, so it's, it's important to, to involve all your stakeholders and setting rules. It can't be done in a silo. hundred percent. And I think that, I think that that works two ways. I think for non-security tools, the, or non-security applications, SaaS applications, on-prem applications, whatever, however you want to classify things. Uh, that have nothing to do with security. Maybe it's a customer success tool. Maybe, maybe it's a proxy. Well, proxy is still security. Whatever it is, I think that there's a line where um, it comes down to the racy matrix, right? Uh, I know that racy is kind of highly debated, um, but I think that regardless of whether it's a security or non-security tool, function, implementation, change. 
because of the the way that the threats are presented in, in today's threat landscape and the way that threat actors are evolving, uh, new phishing, SMS mm-hmm. phishing, um, vishing, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, yeah. all of the different avenues uh, with MFA bombing and everything. I think that cybersecurity at the end of the day is a consultant on everything um, and should be considered for everything. And I think as security professionals, to your point, we need to make sure that we're extending that same gratitude to the other parts of the business and not taking actions like blocking everything, uh, which is my (laughs) default rule. Um, I'd rather be aggressive in the beginning and have to change. Uh, And I know that that's, uh, that's an archaic way of thinking of blocking everything because uh, in today's access all society, um, that's really hard to tell someone no. It kind of goes back to the people management piece um, and scope creep. But yeah, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, as as security professionals, we need to extend the same courtesy that other teams extend to us. And you know, other teams need to forget that uh, even though we say the risk word, uh, we are not trying to obstruct business. At the end of the day, we're just trying to keep everyone in the business safe. Yeah, it's all about transparency. And, you know, um, I get like comments all the time from people saying like, like, oh, you know, this governance thing, like, why does everyone have to have a say? It's like, not everyone has to have a say, but everyone needs to be informed. And, and that way, no one can say, well, you didn't tell me, or I I wasn't aware. Um, And I think it's really important to differentiate between the decision makers in your group, and who just needs to be like that racy matrix, right? Like, yeah, it might be considered an outdated concept. I mean, I still like them. Um, but having a group of people come together and knowing who's a like a voting member, if you want to say that, is important because is, is it just your executive team? Is it a smaller portion of your executive team? Who should be making those um, those decisions? And for a project in our field that's going to impact all of the business or the vast majority of the business, you're going to want representation from every function because you don't want to be just like with security, right? You don't want to be right at the end and then have someone say no. It's not just security that that's that can be that way. Legal can be, finance can be. You need to have your gatekeepers aware of what's happening so that it, you know, there's no slowing down, there's no further risk to your deliverables. Absolutely. So I know that we're getting pretty close to time. Um, I did want to leave you uh, with one of my hot takes of the week. Um, You are a Girl Scout mom. Um, I have discovered the greatest invention ever. Two frozen Thin Mints with peanut butter in between. Ooh, okay. Thank you. I will try that. I've got frozen Thin Mints. Yeah, okay. That is that is my hot take for the week. Uh, peanut butter sandwich uh, that's between two Thin Mints. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> I, I think I, our listeners will appreciate that too. So thank you. <laughs> I know it's probably the most useless information you'll hear all week. Um, You'd be surprised, but <laughs> but it was something I discovered uh, in my late night rumblings of the kitchen, uh, where I didn't want to bake a four course meal, so it was two Girl Scout cookies and a spoonful of peanut butter. I'm not judging. I'm I'm not in a position to judge. So (laughs) thank you. 
Of course. Yeah. So that I think that'll wrap today's episode. Uh, quick, quick topic today on risk and project management and, and how that both affects and uh, I would say disrupts and provides cohesive uh, business analysis from the cybersecurity perspective and the business perspective as you grow programs and implement tools. Kayla and I will be back next week with another episode, maybe with a guest, maybe not. And hopefully next week, Kayla will bring a hot take to the table. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lockdown Podcast with Kayla Williams and Taylor Parsons, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit ITSPMagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.